played in that um, in that final. They won on penalties. They weren't expected to even get through. They let alone weren't even expected to score, you know, any goals. So the expectations were set really low in comparison to, like, they, they call it the golden generation of Australian football, which is when you have players like Harry Kuehl, uh, Mark Faduka, um, Mark Schwarzer. Like, they were your... That was like the golden generation of players who were playing in the English Premier League. Whereas now there's, there's players that... Yeah, big Tim Cahill. Well, back back then he wasn't uh, he wasn't so... Not that he wasn't so big, but he he gradually uh, kind of worked his way into that kind of um, that limelight of he wasn't he was still playing Premier League, but he wasn't uh, I guess at the same status as like those other couple of players and where they were playing. Mm-hmm. Um, but he was he was yeah, so he definitely was up there with with them. Um, but like yeah, Harry Kuehl was playing for for Liverpool at that time. Um, Baduka, I think, was playing for Newcastle. Kehu, um, I reckon, was pretty consistent with uh, with Everton. I can't remember back that far. I mean, I wasn't really following Everton because I'm a Liverpool supporter, so I don't, I don't really remember. I was actually – it's funny, Keegs put a photo up of himself with uh, a Leeds top on, and I was a big, big Leeds boy back in the day. Every Monday night, there was this show that came on, and it was like because you couldn't get the Premier League here on free-to-air TV, they wouldn't show it at that time. They would just have like this Premier League highlight show. And I was a big fan like of Leeds. And it was because of Aduka and Q. And that's when Leeds were good. And then the shit hit the fan at Leeds and they got relegated. And I think there was a whole lot to do with money and, and all that going on. And Baduka left. And I'm pretty sure he went to Newcastle or Middlesbrough. I can't remember. Um, actually, I think it was Newcastle he went to. And then Q went to Liverpool. And then that's what uh, kicked me off to, to sort of start following Liverpool. Um, but anyway, going back to that golden generation of, of football in Australia, you had a lot of players playing high-end or high-quality football for some of the biggest leagues in the world. Like we had players playing in Italy. We had players playing in England. We had some players playing in some other European countries as well. Um, but the A-League, it was kind of it, – it, was, it, was it wasn't really kicking off then, like it wasn't really much. Um, I actually don't even think it was something back then. I, I honestly, I can't remember. I think that was still when they had the uh, National Soccer League, which was the NLS um, back in the day. So, like that's it all started changing. But one big thing that that changed was uh, here in Australia. There's a lot of immigrants, so you've got like you've got your Italians, you've got your English, um, you've even got like Greek, um, the Eastern Europeans, like your Croatians, Serbians. Um, there's, there's a lot of, lot of immigrants and a lot of that was taken out of the football teams, which they didn't like that ethnicity where it was, you know, you're, you've have this, uh, Italian heritage or this Greek heritage or this, you know, Serbian or Croatian heritage. And they stamped that out, which took a lot of the culture away from the games. And then people were like, well, I can't express myself fully anymore supporting my team. They can't be called, you know, Adelaide Juventus or whatever it was. They can't be called that anymore, or they can't, you know, change. They have to change their name to something that's appropriate. Or I'm not going to go support my team anymore because it just doesn't feel. I don't feel that connection. So there's been a there's been a lot of lot of change happening, and it's like I said before, it's hard to put your finger on exactly one thing that's wrong. And obviously, with the US having population and the funds and money to do it. 
the, the MLS is, I'm assuming, I haven't really, I've never really watched the game in, in all honesty, but the supporter base is quite big there, isn't it? Like there's a lot of people at a lot of games. Would you say that? Uh, I mean, nowhere near like a, uh, like a NFL, like a American football game or like a, even probably a lot of the basketball games. And there's 82 basketball games a year, plus the playoffs. I mean, some of them get quite a few people, but like it, not near like what you would get at like a Dortmund game or something. You're not getting 80,000 people. Yeah. No chance. Yeah. You guys have done like, the Americans have done a really, really good job with, um, so like the creation of teams, for example. They've had some high end or high profile people starting up some new teams and they've got some pretty high end, high quality players coming to play for them. Like uh, Ibrahimovic was playing for, was it Los Angeles? Yeah. LA? Galaxy. Yeah. yeah. Galaxy. There's, there's a, starting to be a lot of teams in the MLS. Like, it feels to me like I don't really I don't follow it that much, but it feels to me like there's like four new teams every year. Like yeah, I'll, I'll, watch, I'll watch, I'll catch the scores, and it's like I have never, I, honestly, I've never even heard of this team. Like <laughs> maybe I've heard of them like once or twice. It's just like a city I know in the U.S. Yeah. And then there's like below that there's so it go in reality it goes the MLS, USL Championship, USL One. And then USL2 is kind of like a semi-pro, mainly for kids who come back from college and need to play over the summer. And then it gets interesting with, like, there's, like, a, a it's called NISO, which is, like, North. Actually, I have no idea what it stands for. But it's, like, a sort of professional semi-pro league. And then there's, like, there's after that, it gets really hairy. Like, there's just so, so many teams. You, there's really no understanding like where things fall. Like, is Nisa higher than the USL two? But it's pretty clear the USL championship and the USL one are two and three below the MLS. But then, like after that, it's like where does it, where does it go? And then the USL one has like thirty teams, forty teams. Championship has a ton of teams. So it's, I mean, it's, it it would be really interesting to have promotion relegation. Some of these teams play in really small stadiums. Like our our USL championship team in Indianapolis plays at the college stadium that I played at. Okay. Big so stadium? Their home stadium was our stadium. Is it a big stadium or it's it's doesn't Yeah, to be fair, it, it, it's a big stadium. It's not like a, not like a super nice stadium. Nice. Like the locker room is tiny and uh there's not like anything more than it needs. It has a really big like jumbotron screen that they put in, but other than that, it's like, it's just really big. It's the only yeah. thing. Yeah, I, I can't. So one thing that the um, the FFA, which is the Football Federan Federation, sorry, Australia, are, are doing at the moment, they're trying to increase the B League. So like they've got the A League, which is the, the national championship where you're playing against teams from all around Australia. And you know, when you're saying that there's four new four new teams a year that are popping up in the US, like we've got over the last, I think, four years, five years, we've had, I think, maybe four new teams that have that have come in. And like I've said previously, it's it's at no fault of the A League. And it's 
it is kind of harsh too because everyone's like, oh, that's just a stupid idea. Like, why would you bring in a team from there or do that? And it's like, you, they tried. So we've had two teams. There was Far North Queensland and then there was Gold Coast that tried to bring a team in, but they just all kind of, they all folded after a couple of years because population density here in Australia, we've got 26 million, I think it is, compared to the 300 odd million that are living in the in the US. In is the that, whole is that of Australia? Whole of Australia. Yeah. So that's yeah, what I, I mean. There's, I didn't realize, I thought there were a lot more people than that. Nah. Nah. I mean, it's it may be closer to 30 now, but the population density, so the amount of people that are living in the cities to create these teams, you're creating a new team, but then you're just, you're literally dividing that supporter base and not by half either, because let's just say, for example, there's um, a new team in in Adelaide, for example, we've got one team at the moment, Adelaide United, and that one team has a supporter base of anywhere between that, that go to the game. So, sorry, not a supporter base, maybe a, um, uh, that will go to the games to watch. They get on average between five this year, five to 12,000, maybe to a, to a game in, in between. I know that's big numbers and let's just go right in the middle and we'll say six and a half thousand. You wouldn't, split that number in half and go six and a half thousand. Uh, so 3,250 are going to go watch the new Adelaide team and 3,250 are going to go watch the old one. Like there's still going to be a certain amount that are going to stay with the, the Adelaide United, the first team. So the supporter base already, it being super low. And even if you were to split it in half and you get a half, half, you're going to have no more than 4,000 people at a game. And if you're relying on people to come and watch your game, to come and buy foods, to come and support the team, to come and pay for tickets, to come do all that sort of stuff, like you're relying in, on the wrong things, but there's nothing else that they can go to. Like what else can you go to? You can't, you can't do much else. And players obviously need to be paid. Coaches need to be paid. Clubs, that's why clubs have gone bankrupt or have had to fold because there's just no, they think, it's it's not it's not going to work. And then introducing a B league now with teams like semi pro teams here in uh, in Australia. You've got uh, Metro Stars that are looking to to get into the B league. You've got other teams like Adelaide City. Um, I'm pretty sure that there's a, there's a couple more here as well, which I probably uh, I can't remember off the top of my head, and I'll, I'll miss. Uh, then there's some other NSL teams that played in the the Champions uh, the now A league before the A league was a thing like Melbourne Knights and, and South Melbourne. And then there were a couple of other teams from uh, Sydney, like Sydney United and that. But they all kind of, I think they got pushed out because of their ethnicity. They, they weren't allowed to kind of make their way back in and they created this whole new league, this whole new national league. And the B League, you know, you're going to have to have funds to travel. And these are all, like I said, these are all semi-professional clubs that struggle as it is with making ends meet. And now they're going to have to go into a competition that's just not going to be funded well by clubs it may be by the ffa but it's like how much how much money can you give to to clubs and let them use it at their own free will you know like it's obviously there'd be things that they would need to be spending it on but it, it, i just can't see it being i'd like to see it being a league and then b league because it would increase the standard of, of football being played but then it's like I don't I can't see how it's going to work. And maybe maybe that's my own my own blockages that I can't see through. So it's yeah, it, and that's probably why football in Australia hasn't erupted as much as other parts of the world. And it, it, it may be because of 
like I said, the population, the money is a big thing too. Um, however, there's no reason why there can't be players that are good enough to go and play um, overseas in Europe or in other countries in, in Asia or wherever else. So, yeah, uh, it's such a sticky situation, sticky topic. But does the A and A-League not stand for Australia? Uh, I think it does. I, it's just, I've always known it as just the A-League. It's just convenient. But... You got A League, yeah, B League. Think... <laughs> yeah. You're not going to call it the A B League. Like, uh, well, you might. I don't know. <laughs> I, I mean, I always, I, just, I never thought of it. I always like, yeah, A League is the Australian League. And then you said B League. I was like, oh, hold on a second. Yeah. Did A just like, like, Serie A? Like, yeah. And Serie B? <laughs> I, don't, I don't know. I don't know. I, I, don't, I think. Now I'm really confused. Well, that's a that's a good question. I don't I don't know. I assume I assume so, and I don't even think that. So, like for this B league that's coming through, there's still a long time. Like there's still probably two to three years of all this happening, and it's uh, it's it's gonna it's gonna be a big struggle. But obviously, you want to try and do whatever you can for football here in Australia. So it's kind of like a double edged sword. You you like you're damned if you do, and you're damned if you don't. But you got to do the thing to see if it is the right thing to do, and it could be the completely wrong thing, but it could be the completely right thing. Like I don't know, I have no idea, which is hard. It's it's very it's very challenging to make these decisions. So again, like I'm saying all this stuff that like it's wrong and this, but I got no idea. Like I'm just gonna say that, that I I got absolutely no idea whether it's right or wrong. But something has to be done. I just don't know what it is. Yeah, the other thing I was laughing at is the. Uh... The FFA, the Football Federation of Australia, <laughs> in the US, FFA is the Future Farmers Association. <laughs> same. Good, yeah, yeah, same thing. Australia is the Farmers League, but uh, <laughs> ooh, ooh. Speaking, Sorry, I didn't uh, speak, like that. No, that's okay. That's okay. But I was, uh, I was expecting the US to get up against the English, but uh, were they happy with the draw? Oh, oh. Super happy with the draw, to be fair. Yeah. And the way the way it was a draw, brilliant. It yeah. was like, Pulisic hit the bar, McKinney should have scored. That, that's the only game I've watched front to back so far. Um, mm. This this World Cup, and it was like the U.S. looked, and this is this is not even like a uh, American bias. The U.S. looked significantly better than England did. Oh. I didn't see the game, so I can't comment on it. The one thing I can comment on, though, is Australia has three points. The U.S. have two points. So I'm, I just, I mean, I don't know. U.S. look like they're in a bit of a sticky situation at the moment. It's, it's, a, it's a win against Iran, and then we're through to the next stage. That's all, it's, that's all it is. And you make it sound really Let, easy. Uh, you make it sound listen, really, really easy. <laughs> listen, we just need, we need Wales to come through big. Take down England in the last game. The U.S. beats Iran. The U.S. comes out on top, number one in the group, undefeated. That's a, that's a big, big call. Big call. Listen, I guess only time will tell. Only time will tell. And all I can say is, uh, you know, the U.S. is undefeated so far, and uh, don't I don't think Australia is. Nah, nah, we're not. We we, mm. we lost to the world champions. Like that's just the way it is. But uh, speaking, listen, speaking England's of really close to France, so. Same, 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 same. Um, did you hear about uh, Theo Hernandez? He uh, 
he ruptured his ACL against Australia. First first five minutes of the game, I don't know if you've seen the, the footage. Um, one of the It was actually how Australia scored the first goal. So the ball played diagonally across the other side of the pitch and um, a player, Matthew Leckie, so he, he cut inside and Hernandez was going one way and then tried to stop. And you saw, like when they did the slow-mo, you saw his knee buckle. And then Leckie put the ball across the um, the six-yard box and Goodwin scored. Uh, but found out afterwards that Hernandez had ruptured his ACL. And it's, it's quite sad. Like the whole build-up to this World Cup, you've got players that are pulling out left, right and centre because of either injuries or maybe even like mentally they don't feel that they want to be able like they want to play in this in this World Cup for whatever reason. Um, and then you've got players at the World Cup who are starting to do injuries like uh, an ACL. It's not what you want to, to happen. Do you think the the way that the World Cup is, or when the World Cup is being played this year where it's in season, do you think that's got a lot to do with injuries that could potentially happen? And obviously then the quality of the football that's being played um, because certain players aren't, aren't playing because they're injured? Or like, what are your thoughts on that? Uh... Maybe a little bit. I don't, I mean, I don't, it, it's hard to, I mean, if players are training extra hard a little bit in like to get prepared to play and like that's putting a little bit too much and they're having issues like that. But uh, for me, I think it's, it's actually probably less injuries to be fair. Like if you had the world cup, like two weeks after the season ended, then it's like, man, these guys just went through an entire I don't know, eight month season or whatever it is, and had two weeks off and then had to go play eight games in three weeks or however. I don't know what the World Cup is in terms of games in a week, but like I, it, it seems to me like you would probably have less people get injured because you had a full preseason and then you had the beginning of the season. And then if people get injured in the, during the season, they were going to get injured during the season whether or not the World Cup was in a month. Like, yeah. So I don't, I don't, I mean, it very well could be that there's something going on that I don't have a, a, a pulse on, but I don't think that that's like a major, I think it's unfortunate that more, you think about these injuries more because it's like, oh, he's out for six weeks. That just mm. happens to cover the whole World Cup or like it just enough that he won't get called up. So I don't, I don't think that that's a major issue. Mm. Yeah. It's, um, it's hard to like, and there's there's a lot of other things as well. Again, similar similarly to the um, the problems or the issues with Australian football growing, it's obviously not just got to do with the time up when they're being played. Obviously, the weather has one is one big thing in Qatar at the moment. Um, and I know that the stadiums are air conditioned. Like I've I've got some uh, people who you know people that are over there saying they like they have to wear jumpers in the stadium. Like it's it's freezing cold in the in the stadiums. Um, but that weather outside of the of the stadiums obviously has a lot to, to play with and um, with the players as well. In regards to where you're where you're playing, so for example, playing in, in Qatar. I mean, you personally, you were you quite enjoyed playing in the cold, didn't you? Was it the cold that you you preferred playing in? No, no, I did not want to play in you, the cold. Oh, you play? You were a heat guy. You like playing in the heat? Oh, much better, much better. Yeah, yeah. So, like, when it comes to these air-conditioned stadiums, what do you think is 
is it affecting the players in terms because it's like it's just constant cold air do you think it's affecting the players in a way in terms of the way they're breathing um whatever else there is that that goes on with that cold air i mean you think about it like you spend uh, all this time inside and you've got the air conditioner on it's going to affect the way that you that you breathe because it's going to dry your mouth out you're going to feel like you're, you're fatigued and do you think it's affecting the players in any way or do you think that's just another thing that's like no are they open air stadiums or are they all indoor stadiums? They're, I'm pretty sure they're all opened, but they've got like this. Um, they've this got the huge fans. Yeah, this air conditioning. I don't know if it's fans or what it is, but it, it's a. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I don't. I mean, to be fair, I like playing indoors the best. Like, that, I always played the best indoors for some reason. Um, whether it was like that it wasn't too hot or too cold, or like it was just. I was just comfortable being inside. I I have a hard time putting any weight on that. Um, I mean, maybe you could make an argument for people in England and any of the Scandinavian countries. Like, they've been playing in cold weather recently. Like, you, you get adapted to the weather you play in, and then all of a sudden you're in Qatar, and it's like, I don't know. I mean, you kind of make it seem like the stadiums are like a good temperature to play in. I would imagine, like, if you you want it a little bit cooler than it hot, hotter. Um, so, I mean, I have a hard time putting putting any value on that really changing anything, unless like you're just shooting dust in your face the whole time while you're playing, like <laughs> like shooting the some Qatari fan at you. I I don't think so. I I. Unless, yeah, like similar last time, like, unless I'm not thinking of something, I have a hard time putting a lot of weight on that creating yeah. a real issue. Yeah, and it's not like I'm I'm just asking questions like whether there would or whether you think that there would actually have something to do with it, like similarly to the, the weather, the time of being played, the air-conditioned stadiums, um, the amount of intensity that, you know, obviously uh, when and where the World Cup, sorry, has been played. There's There's obviously certain things that, you don't want to get too drawn into either. You don't just want to go like, oh, it's being played in Qatar and it's like at this part of the season, which means that this is what's going to happen and this is what's going to cause all these injuries or all this whatever else there is. So it's just just uh, just thoughts. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, to me, it's like maybe, maybe the sum of all these little factors that could cause a little bit of a change creates a big change. But, I mean, in my mind, it's like, how how different is this really from the club season they would they would be in right now? Like maybe they're feeding them garbage food in Qatar. Maybe it's it being really hot outside before you get into the game. Like maybe all of these things, the sum is like greater than the parts, and like it causes issues. But I think it's just the nature of the beast nowadays of what what happens to these players when they're not ready for for this kind of thing. So nature of the beast in terms of football itself, like uh, personally having watched um, a couple of the, the world cups in particular. So from 2006 all the way through to, to this world cup here, there's been a, there's been a big, big shift in a lot of things. Um, I don't know if you, did you watch, do, do you remember much of the 2006 world cup or were you kind of South Africa? No, I was six times. You were, okay, yeah, fair. I, I, I didn't think so. I'm just. <laughs> I no, don't even think you no, were alive. No, no. <laughs> yeah. I don't. I don't remember anything before 2014 World Cup. In reality. Oh, okay. Well, okay. 
Okay. So like I've seen a big shift, especially in the, the, the quality of the World Cup, not necessarily saying that it's better or worse, but just it's changed the way that, that football is being played and you're expected that to happen. Players as well have, have changed significantly. But then also there's a big shift of wanting to play for your country. I feel like something's there's, – there's not that same drive to want to play for your country. I mean, I don't know what it's like in the U.S. I'm speaking uh, in, uh, in regards to every, every country, not even just Australia. I just feel like that there's something that's not quite the same, whether it's because players are getting paid a lot more money playing for their, their club and it's just like an inconvenience to want to go and play for your country. It just feels like something's something's changed. I don't know whether it's because you know there's the players are, are changing, um, the game itself is changing. Like they're putting in all of these new rules. Or since um, we had the the twenty twenty, the stuff happened in, in 2020 and 2021. Like they made all these changes to the rules with substitutions. With now the extra time. I don't know if you've noticed, but there's been like. You know, nine minutes, 12, 13 minutes, yeah. 12, 13 minutes of extra time. The game is changing and it's adapting. Um, and I don't necessarily think it's been a good change um, the way that it's moving. Given that you watched the 2014 World Cup and obviously football in general over a longer period of time, do you think that there's been some significant changes in the way that football's being played, in your opinion, from Good to bad. Like, what do you think has changed? And do you think it's for the good or do you think it's not for the not so good? Uh, do I think it's different? Definitely. Good or bad, it's hard to say. It's kind of like if you watch NBA, the basketball in the US, like, Things are very different now from when before Stephen Curry started to play. Like, threes were, like, cool before. Like, people liked hitting threes. But now it's, like, everybody has to be able to hit threes. Like, the seven-footers have to be able to hit threes. Like, everybody has to be able to dribble. And, like, kids, all the kids nowadays just want to chuck up threes from outside the circle. So it's sort of, like, is that better than having a big guy who stands in the middle of the court and just like bodies his way and lays it up i mean it depends on who you ask football is kind of the same kind of the same way like i but also not really like it, there's not been a drastic shift like that in my from what i can think of i mean yeah there's you could call like messi in that barcelona team and 2012 or 11 or whatever, 2009, you could say they kind of shifted it from just playing more, like the tiki-taka revolution, you could call, people call it. I don't know. I mean, I don't – it's hard for me to judge, really, because it differs so much between teams, And where something like the NBA only has 30 teams, and it's like there's – I actually don't know how many teams they have, but – it's hard for me to put a, a finger on it. I think when you're talking about the the national team thing, I think the U.S. is actually like more people are more excited to play for the national team now because right now in the U.S. it's like a whole bunch of young young kids like 
there's a couple guys that are like 30, 30 something, but like most of these dudes are like 20, 22, 23. And just like, not like Christian Pulisic's the biggest player. And then besides him, it's like who, like Brandon Aronson's a top player, like Tyler Adams, whatever, good players in the Premier League, but they're not Harry Kane. They're not Jude Bellingham. They're not, I don't know, Kevin De Bruyne. And it's like the, Soccer, football in the U.S. has been like shunned for so long. It's like, I it's been pretty pretty hyped up in the U.S. So I think the the U.S. players are actually really really into it. Like, uh, if you scroll through Instagram or TikTok or whatever here, and if you have if you ever liked like a soccer picture, like you're getting a ton a ton of <laughs> like especially before U.S. and England, some of them were so funny. There was somebody I knew retweeted a. Ah, shouldn't say it, but whatever. So there's somebody retweeted a picture of like George Washington, like the first U.S. president, like standing on a hill with like a U.S. flag. Like, what the fuck is a kilometer? Like, just, like, <laughs> just, just like stupid things like that. Like every like yeah, the, like the Second Revolutionary War or something. But it, I don't know. I think things are actually gaining a little bit of traction here. In terms of the international stage, not so much in terms of like a, the MLS is getting good, but I don't know. What do you like? How talk a little bit more about how you think it's changed? Yeah. So the game, um, 2006 World Cup. That was the first World Cup that Australia had been to in 30 something years. I think it was 32 years. The first World Cup that they've been to. So like, and that's this is this is where it gets so so hard as an opinion because there's at that time they called it the golden generation like i said before um and now there's like this continuous expectation that australia makes the the world cup but it doesn't necessarily mean that the quality of players that we have are getting better and you can't you can't compare like you can't compare to the vadukas to the brescianos to the Acules and Cahills that played back then compare them to the players now because like the game has changed significantly um but I just feel like if I'm looking at the, the World Cup, um, and this one's a little bit too early for me to judge. I haven't watched many games, again, comparatively to what I watched previously. But I had a I had a, a buzz or like a hope, more of a hope that Australia was like going to going to do something and do something well in that in that World Cup. Like we had Brazil, Japan and Croatia, which was that was a very, very tough group in, in 2006. Um, and then for the next couple of years, making it to the World Cup was like that World Cup afterwards. It's like it's an expectation that we make the World Cup. It was less than the year after and, again, less the year after that too. Um, than the year after that, sorry, because you made the World Cup in 2006 and 2010, it's like you still have these good players that are, that are hanging around. And, again, I'm not saying that Australia has bad players. It's just the quality of where they're playing is significantly different to where they were playing, where previous Australian players were playing. But there's a certain buzz that I feel where it's like an expectation that Australia always makes the World Cup from now on. And because they started that in 2006, it was, it was huge. Like the game for Australia to get into the World Cup, they had to always play Uruguay. And they played Uruguay in Uruguay. Now it's changed. They're part of Oceania, so they play in the, the AFC, which is the Asian 
um, football confederation. Um, but previously they had to play against Uruguay, which was like a real tough way in. They had a, a different way of getting through. You're playing against Uruguay and like, I remember hearing stories of when they were getting into the 2006 World Cup, they would go to play in Uruguay and it was hostile as, like I'm talking, they'd be getting spat on by um, supporters. They'd be getting death threats. They'd be getting yelled at. They'd be getting, and like the, the pressure was enormous on the players from other, um, from the other country, um, from the supporters, sorry, from the other country. Then they came back to Australia. We ended up winning the, the game. For those who listen from Australia, like the penalty shootout against Uruguay, it, it, still, it still gives me goosebumps, man. Thinking about, we had one of the Australian players, he was actually my coach, um, Tony, Tony Vidmar. He's now the assistant coach at uh, for Graham Arnold in the Australian team. It was the second or third penalty, and he's, he's right-footed. He went up and took the penalty with his left foot just because he felt more comfortable taking the penalty with his left foot. No one knew this until afterwards. It's like, oh, holy, like, wow, what the hell? Um, and then Mark Schwarzer as well pulled off these incredible saves. Anyway, I'm going on a tangent. But what I'm noticing is that the quality of players and where they're playing is significantly different, but we're all still expecting the same results. Like I said in the beginning, Australia made it in on a penalty shootout against the team that wasn't necessarily the like comparatively to Uruguay or even to Japan, then they're, they're not because Japan's in the at the AFC now. Uh, well, they have always been, but they're in the AFC. They're not. It's not the same quality of opposition that we're coming up against, and so it's like a different process to get through. And I just feel like the as Australians, you always expect Australia to be in the World Cup now, regardless of how they got there, regardless of the players that we have. And again. I'm not saying that we have crap players. I'm saying where players are playing now comparatively to where the previous players who are playing in the English Premier League and other uh, places in Europe, it's just, it's just different. It, it is much different. And I just don't think that, like we weren't even supposed, I wouldn't have even put us down to, to win a game in this World Cup. And obviously that Aussie spirit just gets you through a lot of the time. Like it is. That's a, that's a thing, man. That is a thing. I don't care what other people say. Like there is that Aussie spirit where it's like Australians will work harder than most clubs, or most countries, sorry, in, in Europe. It's not necessarily good because it's not about working harder. It's not about running more. We had, we had players come from like Del Piero came and played for Sydney FC. And he's like, I remember hearing a, um, a uh, an interview and, and even a lot of people were talking about it too it's like why the fuck do you guys run so much for like just relax you don't have to run that much but that's what australians have and that's what australians are good at so we might as well play to that now you know just that hard work ethic especially when it comes to that that style anyway i i just i feel like there's that expectation that's what i'm really trying to get at there's that expectation that australia always make the world cup from now on regardless of where the players actually play and the quality of the players in terms of the leagues that they're, that they're playing in. Um, yeah, it's, it, and this is my opinion and I don't, you know, someone's probably going to listen to this and tell me to shut, shut up. Like you got no idea what you're talking about. And you know what? You're probably right. Like I don't, I don't have any clue about what I'm talking about. It's an opinion that I have and I'm entitled to my own opinion, but it's, it's a, it's a feeling that I have from previous world cups where it just doesn't feel the same and it's progressively gotten worse. 
Yeah. The one thing I think about every once in a while, and it's interesting to look at, is when you look, even like 10 years ago, when you look at like the Spain team, when it was like David Villa, Iniesta, Xavi Alonso, Xavi, Busquets, Casillas, Piquet, uh, Puyol, like Jordi Alba, like all of these ridiculous players, and there was still Messi and Ronaldo and all of the players at the top of the game. It's it's sometimes it's hard to think like were there just more better players ten years ago, or do I just look back on those players as being better than the players are today? Mm. Like, is that's, it? That's a, yeah. I don't. I don't know because like I, I I was watching Spain play a little bit before this. I was like I. These players just don't seem as good as like that team, like that team was. And I try to think, it's like, well, all right, well, where's the other super team? Like, is it France? Like, I there's some dudes on France that I don't know. Like, there's, I it's it's a, it's a weird like is talent more distributed between nations? Like, I don't. It's it, that. What do you think about that? Yeah, I, I I do think about that a lot, and that's probably where I'm getting at in, with that whole rant that I was just talking about before because like I look back at um, and, and that's that's what I'm doing like comparatively the Australian team beforehand I think about that's exactly what I think about and in this Australian team now there's a lot of players that I've never I've never heard of before I, I don't know the whole Australian squad I know probably three or four players and that could be part of my ignorance and arrogance of not actually being as involved as much as what I previously was, it's probably got something to, like a part to play. However, I agree with like, and it could just be like with, with what you're saying, and I, I agree with that, but it could also just be that like our own arrogance of like those past players are better than what's here right now. And I, I assume that that's probably what it is too. Like we think that the players back then are better than anything coming through. However, like these young kids that watch football, they aspire to be like these players. So they're like, who the hell was that? And I never saw him play. Like you had players like in the Italian team in 2006, like Francesco Totti and Fabio Cannavaro and Buffon and like all of these players that, that, that were just exciting and, and incredible at where they played. And you, obviously you can't look at the Italian team now because they're not in the World Cup, but like you don't, you don't necessarily have, you, you think back and like, but there's, I, I don't, these players just don't give me that same, that same buzz. So I, it's probably our own arrogance and our own ignorance. Okay. Speaking for myself, it definitely, definitely is because I don't, yeah, I don't, I don't know a lot of the players playing in this world cup. I've never, never seen them, never heard of them for the, from the bigger teams I'm saying. Um, and again, it's probably because I don't play anymore. I don't watch as much anymore either. So obviously I'm going to be like, well, who the hell is this dude? Like, who do you, who do you think you are? You know, you think you're like the rule, the rule Ronaldo, Ronaldinho, like who, you know, this is, and this is probably where it gets a bit tricky too, because it's, it's a, it's an open-ended conversation. There is no answer. There is no end. It's like, you can't say he is better and he is worse or they are better and they're worse or this team's better, you know, because it's, it's you can't compare <laughs> because my knowledge now is different to what my knowledge was previously. So it's just like it's a it's a it's almost like it's a nothing conversation. It's whipping off forty minutes and the whole conversation just has meant nothing. 
that that is pretty true. I also used to have. <laughs> uh, we really haven't made any any decisive point here. Uh, I, also, I mean, I also used to play FIFA a lot, and like, mm. as bad as this sounds, like, my I had like a basis of how good I thought players were based off what their rating was in FIFA. Mm. Like, not that I was like this guy's an eighty six and the other guy's an eighty five. Like, this guy's definitely better. Like, I had it gave me a range of like how good this player is. And now that I don't, I mean, I haven't played FIFA in like five years. Like, it's, so I have no idea what people are like rated anymore. So now it's like, I have like a small recollection of where somebody was five or 10 years ago. But like, other than that, it's like, I, I don't know. Like I, I lost that kind of like basis of, well, first of all, of knowledge of all these players. Cause I, I knew everybody when I was playing, like I, I knew all of the players and I knew all of their ratings. And like, now it's like, who, like, I don't, I don't know who these people are. Like I, I've lost that sort of like grounding in those ratings. Yeah. Yeah. There's definitely a lot that's changed and whether it's the, like I said, there's many, 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 many reasons why things have changed. The one thing that we haven't spoken about is when we have a look at those top quality high-end players, and this is, we're not just talking about the World Cup here, I'm talking about in general, but you have a look at like players like Cristiano Ronaldo, uh, Lionel Messi, um, even going back some generations to, to like Ronaldinho and even Diego Maradona, like we're going to go back that far as well. Um, interestingly, like in terms of injuries that they've had, they, they haven't really had a long span with with injuries from from my memory in terms of the years that they played football there's obvious reasons why that is but what do you think is so for example i, I saw something on on instagram uh, the other day whether it's true or not is it's another topic but it speaks about diego maradona not having i think he had two major injuries in his throughout his whole career and other than that he wasn't wasn't injured at all and i think major as in a, maybe a, a couple of months, it wasn't anything that was like a year or two years or something like that. But there's been a definite increase in a lot of those year injuries, whether it's ACL reconstruction, whether it's torn ligaments in your ankles, whether it's tendonitis or hamstring tears or quad tears or whatever. But you have a look at those players that were quality. You know, you've, they've got that buzz about them, your Ronaldo's and Messi's and Ronaldinho's. What do you think it is that's allowing them to be at that performance and at that best for so long? For like a majority of their career is like their performance is just top notch. And then you've got everyone else that, that fall. Like what separates that? Why, why do you think they've just been able to perform so well for such a long period of time? I, I, this sucks to say, but I think they're usually just, genetic genetically freaks that got lucky as well like it's i think when you look at like if you look even especially before like ronaldinho kind of era and before like i really think those are just the players that didn't get hurt like i think there probably were like a significant amount of players that would have been just as good if not better right in that same kind of realm but they tore their ACL when they were 17, 18, 19, 20. Like, like R9 Ronaldo, like, was yeah. so unbelievable for five years, whatever. And then would never, like, I think it was his knee or something that he 
just had all these knee problems forever. ACL, yeah. I think he did his ACL. So, yeah. Yeah. So absolutely like greatest like best player in the world for like a couple of year period and the knee and nothing again. So I mean think about the people that took like that that injury happened to earlier or that would have taken a couple extra years to get to that top level. Like, they, mm. They're just not there. Like at that point, I don't like an ACL was an Achilles was a death sentence at that point. An ACL was like, eh, hopefully you can come back, but we'll see. And you probably won't be the same again. So I think it, it's the same. It's kind of follows my, my philosophy on like athletes, the best athletes that turn into professional athletes are the ones that didn't get injured when they were younger. Like, and at that point, so now it's just when you're younger, but at that point it was the best athletes are the ones that don't get injured significantly ever. Like you're a top talent and you also happen to not get injured significantly ever, especially when you were young. So I think looking at like, uh, I mean, it's the same with like Messi and Ronaldo, I don't, I can't remember any extended, extended leave of absences there. Like Tom Brady tore his ACL one time and that's like the majority of anything he's missed. He missed one season in like 35 years or whatever, how long he's been playing. It's, I think it's, I think those are hard things to look at. Like, yeah, they didn't get injured, but like how many people had one injury? And then never came back versus like, like what if Ronaldinho was 24 and tore his ACL? Like, you think he would have been the same Ronaldinho? Like, probably not. Like, and how many people were like, like Alexander Pato, like phenomenal, like Ka, like Jack Wilshere, Abu Dhabi. Like, you can think of all these players, like, unreal, but also just like ruined with injury. So, could Jack Wilshere have turned into Xavi? Like, maybe. But he didn't. Like, could some random dude in 1975 from Brazil been better than Ronaldinho? Like, very, very possibly. But, like, he might have torn his Achilles when he was 19. Like, I, that's that's where that data kind of is limited to me. Like, I don't know. Like, you got to look at all these players who were projected to be elite in 1975 when they were 17 mm. and how many injuries did they have and where did they end up? Mm. You, with, with data, do you think it's getting overboards now? Do you think it's going too far one way? Like in the world cup, they've got the chip inside the ball and it tells you how fast the ball's going and, and spin ratio. And yeah, I don't give a shit. Like, from, okay, from that what ball, that? like who cares about the ball? But like I'm talking about data in general. Like if you're going based upon player data, do you think it's getting like too far in in monitoring players? Like we've had this conversation before where the whoop tells you oh, your load is too much today, you can't do anything. But I feel great. No, sorry, it says you can't do anything, so don't do anything. Do you think that's going too far from a player perspective? I think there's an easy, there's a way to balance it when somebody else is measuring it. Like, like if you if you have a wearable that you're wearing and the coaching staff gets the data, and you roll up and uh, they ask you, "Hey, uh, Steph, how you feel today?" And you're like, eh, "A little, not not the best." And they're like, they look at your heart rate variability and it's like shot. They're like, "All right, yeah, we should probably limit Steph a little bit today." Versus if you woke up and you're like. 
15 minutes after you woke up and you have no idea how you're going to feel the rest of the day. And then you check it and you're like shot. You're like, oh shit. Yeah, I do feel pretty bad today. I think there's a big difference there. And then like you like measuring people, like how many kilometers somebody ran in the game. It's like a tool in the toolbox. Like it can be helpful to see, but as long as you don't take it too far and use it for what it's not. What it is, is like a way to get another reference point. But it's it's hard to trump, like, Steph, how do you feel today? Like, it, it, like just giving some, there was some study or something, like the most reliable score on how the somebody's readiness of the day was just like giving them five faces, like a really angry face and a really happy face and like three in between. Like that's that's usually the most reliable thing. And you can have all the data, but like, it's like taking a blood test versus a Braverman test. Like the Braverman test is far superior to any, like any uh, neurotransmitter typing test you can do with the blood. Like, it, and it's just you answering true and false questions. So I don't think it's that necessary. I think it's a little bit of a waste, but if you have the money, like spend it, that's a better way to spend it than like, I don't know. It's not the worst way to spend money. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, if you got it, but you want to be using that data appropriately as well. You don't just want to be kind of <laughs> pissing it into the wind and saying like, "Oh, we got, you know, we got GPS players are on GPS," and they're like looking at it and like, "Oh, I got thirty k's an hour. That was my fastest sprint." Like that means nothing. It might be saying to a player, but to a coach, like, "Oh, like if you're looking at that data and you're going, that's as fast as you ran. Cool. How can you apply that? <laughs> How can you use that?" Yeah, you just stay nice and put it on the leaderboard and it's like that's the end of it like that's, <laughs> yeah. that's all you've got like the well that's the other thing too you know specific positions if you're playing a wing back you are most certainly and you should be running more than a striker than a center back than a goalkeeper like you should be running more in a game comparatively between positions so i guess that's where it, it you can individualize that aspect as well if you're a, a wing back you need to be between a and B, if you want to be able to play, like you got to be able to get those numbers to be able to play in, a, in, in the team because that's what we require yeah. in a game. Yeah. Also, like, who cares how far you ran in the game? Like, did you play well? Hmm. Like, there was somebody said it, one of the Premier League guys said it one time. It was like, yeah, I scored a goal yeah. today and everybody gave me like the man of the match trophy, but I played like shit. Like, I ran, thir- I ran 13 kilometers in the game today, but I let in a two own goals. Like, what is it? That's such a, t- sometimes that data is like the world's worst establisher of how well you played that day. Like, mm. I mean, granted, if you score a hat trick, then like, all right, you can kind of get away with not being great the rest of the game, unless you let in four goals. Then it's like, all right, yeah, you didn't play well, but like, mm. In in general, you can score a goal and play terribly. You can oh, yeah. run thirty kilometers and have the worst day of your life, or you could run four and have been unbelievable. So it's like, what? I don't. It's, that's that's one of the things that frustrated me for so long about football. It was like, there's no way to tell somebody how well I played in this game today. Like, if I ran track, I could tell you I ran like a. Nine nine hundred meter dash, and you'd be like, "Damn, that guy's fast." Mm. But I was like, "I scored two goals last week." Like, 
against somebody's uncle? Like who who did you score two goals against? What team did you play? Did you play well beyond that? Like there's no that made me so mad for so long, and it still like confused me. So I don't understand. I don't know what the best course of action there is. Mm-hmm. I guess it's just obviously everyone's there's there's emotions that come into it as well. Like a coach might think one player played well compared to another player because of how they've connected with that player. Then there's the himself, like the player himself thinking he played a real shit game because he didn't score any goals. But the the work that he did off the ball created chances for other team players or whatever. So there's a lot of personal uh, opinions, both from the individual and then from external sources as well, as to whether they played well or not. Then you've got some players, which is just like, everyone agrees with that you played really, really well. You played really, really poorly. Like there is that distinct difference there too. So it's, yeah. It's, it's a annoying thing. Like it, it, I mean, but it's also like the fun part of sports. Like, Mm. like I kind of still wish I played because it's like, you can't just get to the top level. Like, by grabbing one opportunity for the most part. Like you can make a ton of money if you're just like in the right place at the right time and you do a little bit of work or you can like get a really sweet job if your uncle knows a CEO or something, whatever. But like you can't just become a professional like track athlete by like showing up can genetically, but like you're, you are like a great athlete. Like it's, this is not like, not like it, just, it is what it is. Like there's no way to buy yourself in for the most part. It, I don't know. I don't know if that made any sense. And I don't remember how we got yeah. to this topic, but yeah, no, it does. It, I understand what you're saying. It's just like you, yeah, it's, I don't know. Did you listen to the, uh, this is like a quite to change of direction. Did you listen to the ATG roundtable talk with Keegan and Ben and Ben and Marcel? Uh, was this the other last, was it last week? It was about a week ago, I think. Yeah. Four days. No, I, 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 I didn't, I think that Keegs put the link up in, in Uncom, um, but it was, it wasn't at a, a very friendly hour <laughs> for me. <laughs> yeah. It's, I mean, it's on Spotify. I imagine it's on everywhere else too. It's, have a listen to it and maybe we can discuss it next week. But there's the way Keegan phrases things, like whatever, if he has a little bit of different view on things than some of the other guys, but like the way Keegan will phrase what ATG is, every time he says it, it like there's a shift in my mind of understanding things. So you'll, you'll hear it um, when you listen to it, but the biggest thing that stuck out to me, and I want to, before we call it today, hear what you think about this, is that if you look at powerlifting, whatever, go to Joel Seedman, Paul Favors, all the guys, jump training, all of that, and they're like, yeah, ATG sucks, whatever, get rid of ATG, and we're all kind of like, oh, whatever, I don't really care what they're saying, we know what works. I think Keegan basically said, I'm not saying as eloquently as he did, but we're just talking about different things. 
like is not the same thing like training for the specificity of your sport like what what Devin Lorette does with arm wrestling like ATG wouldn't get him to be a top arm wrestler like that but if he had elbow tendonitis if he that long short long range ideas extremely beneficial he uses them in like whether he knows it or not but like if your mechanics when you're running or like, I think he can use the example of like if you normally would run like this if you're running like this like you're gonna you're gonna have some problem so like maybe then you need like a I don't understand Goda as well as anybody else does but like maybe then you need Goda to like tell you to run like this instead of like that because that anybody's going to injure it doesn't matter how strong you are short long range if you're running like this you're gonna get hurt so that's where like ATG isn't doing the same thing as somebody who's fixing mechanics, somebody who's training you just purely for explosiveness, just purely for being more athletic at the detriment of whatever else. Like that's not what ATG is. Like it's, it's getting your tissues ready so that you can do whatever else. Like that's why Ben always says ATG is not a sport. ATG is just a system of exercises that you program in a different way. Like, it, it isn't the same thing. And somebody was asking me about Goda. I was like, it's just not the same thing, man. Like, I don't... Because he came to me, he was like, man, I couldn't do any of the Goda exercises. Then I did ATG, and it got rid of all my pain. And then I did Goda, and it fixed what caused the pain in the first place. I was like, yeah, man, because it, it's not the same thing. Like, there's a reason one worked at the beginning, and then you could fix whatever doing your mechanic stuff. Like it's, it's not the same thing. And that for me, that was such a crazy shift in my mind that I don't know if I described it eloquently enough, but mm. did that make sense? Yeah. Yeah, ab absolutely. And that's why I like, I like these things. I like listening to as well, because you get, you're able to, well, we both do it too. We put what's in our brain out and then people listen to it. So it's a, <laughs> it's like, it's a, it's a, it, whether it's a good thing or a bad thing, it doesn't matter. It, it, it makes it good for us. But I, um, I agree with what you're saying that people, and this can go back to, and this is probably where this whole podcast has gone to, but like thinking about past things, like for example, the Australian team, like it's, it's not, it's not like you can compare the pair because you can't, it's impossible to compare the pair because they're different things. They're not the same thing. You're comparing apples and pears. Like it's not the same, you know? And I agree with what you're saying. Like ATG is not the answer for everything. Neither is, I've never heard of Goda before, but neither is Goda. And like, if you think it is, it's just like with, um, if you think you know everything, you, you, you know, you know, nothing. like you can't just go ahead and say that like, this is the answer to all of your problems. It's, it's not, and it never will be. There's always going to be little bits and bobs from everything, which are going to be an answer for it. This could potentially help you, but this could also potentially help you for a similar thing. This is what you have to do. You've got to try and you've got to see. So I, I agree with what you're saying. Like, I think people get caught up in the hype of like, this team is better than this team, but it's like, it doesn't, it doesn't, you can't compare. You can't say that it is or it isn't because it's different for the individual in particular for, for ATG. Like me personally, I use a lot of ATG, not only for 
myself, but a lot with clients and now seeing a lot of results, not now, but like I have been for quite a while, seeing a lot of results and a lot of people are feeling better. But then there's also some people that are just like, no, nah, this, this doesn't, either I don't get the same, I don't get the buzz that I'm looking for from a workout. My body isn't taking it really well, or I'm just not, I just don't enjoy it. Like, I, you know, I just don't want to be doing things like this reverse sled. I couldn't think of anything worse, like as a, as, as a client coming in, like, and that's the thing then how else can you get the same benefit that a reverse sled would do for you doing maybe something else? Like what else could you do that might be able to potentially help? Because not everyone is going to be like, Oh my God, ATG is the best thing in the world. You know, it's not going to be that way. And then with all the other stuff too, like I've loved dense the, the last five, five weeks I've been doing it with Keegan's muscle club, loving it. Like it's been really, really enjoyable. Some people couldn't think of anything worse to do than doing an EMOM lifting you know, 50 kilos, 30 times over that 10 minute EMOM, then, then there's obviously like something else that you you have to do. It's all got, it's all down to the individual. So I, I, I do understand what you're saying. And I love, I love the way that Keegan explains things. I love the way that Keegan, like he does this. I don't know if you've ever heard of Dane Cook, you know, the comedian Dane Cook. Yeah. I, I know of him. You know, him. he does this stint where it's like, it's, uh, a girlfriend and a boyfriend or a partner that they're, they're like fighting together. And then the girlfriend like just, just slips something in like just a, just a sneaky little, little comment. It's like, it's like that big. It's like a, he's <laughs> like, it's like a tic tac size comment. It's small. And it just like imprints. It just puts itself in the back of your brain. And then it just sits there. And then she says something like, oh, I can't remember what he says. It's like, Oh, you're just like your father or something like that. And then it takes like a while for, for it to just manifest inside his brain. And he just starts freaking out. He's like, my father was a brilliant man. And then just like explodes. And it's like the, the comment. And that's what Keegan does. Like he just puts this little thing inside your brain. And it's not like he's telling you it's right or wrong, but it's just the way that he asks the question and the way that he gets you thinking. The way that he gets you thinking, it's like, oh, so it's like everything that you thought to be true and right is just like gone. <laughs> it's like start again, start again from something new. And that's what like that's what great mentors do. I, and personally, that's what I think. They make you just think about things like fuck. Now I, I question everything. Everything is a lie. <laughs> that's that's the best and the worst part about listening to Keegan when it's like. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, oh, I'm, I'm learning things, but it's also like I have done everything wrong for the last year and a half. Like, <laughs> yeah, and it's not, but it's not like, it's not like it is wrong or right because you were, you did the best with what you knew at that time. And that's what everyone does. You do the best with what you have, the knowledge that you have at that time. That's all that it is. Now you have new knowledge. So now you're going to make new decisions and you can make those new decisions. You can make the best decision you can with the knowledge that you have at the time. And whether you apply that knowledge or not is completely up to you, but it's up to you and your own decision at the end of the day. Yeah. I think that's the beauty of something like Charles Poliquin. Like mm. when you think of Charles Poliquin, you can't think of like, you're like, Oh, you got Louis Simmons has got conjugate. Like, and you think of, I don't know, whoever else. And you're like, yeah, they got a system that they're tied to. It's like, what is Charles Poliquin's system? And there really isn't one that I could think of. It's like, all right, you do a little bit longer on the eccentric than the concentric, but like, and then he's got a couple of exercises he created, but it's like, he just went everywhere 
and he learned everything he could from everybody he could. And then it's like, all right, I give you what you need. Hmm. So that's like, it's, that's why I like listen to Keegan and Ben and other Ben and Marcel and all the other guys. It's like, I bounce around. Like now I want to do this. Now I want to do this. Now I want to do that. Mm. Like it's constantly mm. a fight for me to like stay in the middle. Like, mm. like I love to do the West side stuff. I love to do, I want to do more plyometrics. I want to get really strong. I want to squat double body. I want to do my snatch deadlifts. I want to do whatever. I want to get more mobile. I want to do these weird, uh, exercises that Keegan likes to do. But like let's just stay like go out for a while but then like come back to the middle and understand all of it. Yeah. I'm very similar. Very similar. And that's why it's hard for me to stick to something for a long period of time because it's like, ooh, bright shiny object and then it's like, oh there's another one. And then it's like, oh, there's another one. And it's like you can't you can't you can't get consistency. And ultimately personally I believe that you need to be able to stay in one spot for a certain period of time. Gain as much knowledge as you can within that one spot, and then be like, "All right, we focused here, and then we go to the next one." It's the uh, the story about the donkey who's hungry and thirsty. I think I've spoken about this one before. There's a donkey yeah. tied to a pole, yeah. water and food. Doesn't know which way to go. Ends up dying. We don't end up dying, but we don't end up learning as much as what we could have possibly learned. You know, so you got ATG on one side, and then you've got goader on the other side. Maybe, maybe just explore what ATG has to offer first, then go and see what Goda has. And if you enjoy it, we'll continue with that. If you enjoy that, we'll then continue with that. But I think you need to have a solid foundation in in working with one first before you go like, I want to learn more about this or I want to learn more about that or I want to do this or I want to do that because we can only focus on one thing. And then you've got those particular practices which you've got some that say, no, this is the only way or this is the only way. Don't worry about that over there because that's got no idea or that doesn't, they don't know what they're talking about in there. Like you, you can't say, like I just said before, you can't say one's better than the other. You need to go and explore and go like, there are pros and cons here. There are pros and cons here. Make your own informed decision. What's right for you or what's true for you, not right. What's true and what's false. What do you believe? It's always going to be different. Yeah. yeah. That's, that's part of the frustrating thing about when you listen to everybody. It's like, Oh God, I thought I had it all down, but I really don't know anything. Like it's, when, like, when am I finally going to get all this stuff down? Like, well, probably never. But, like, yeah, that's it's like it gets frustrating like that. It's like, I, you go out, like, it's we, like, we're both, we both like ATG a lot, but it's like, are we ever going to be able to get 100% of everything down? Well, first of all, no, because things keep changing. And, like, one of the beauties is that it keeps evolving. So, the answer is no, we're never going to, but it's like, it's sort of. But isn't that, isn't that, at this point. yeah, but, but isn't that the, isn't that the beauty of it? Like, yeah, we're never, you're never going to know everything. And when you think you do, you don't, you definitely don't because then you've got like this whole new thing just comes out and just surprises you and, shows you a, a different path or something that's that's new. I like I like that feeling. I like that feeling of being like, especially now since having a little bit more confidence with myself, within my coaching, not not right now, but like over the last um, year especially, you have this feeling now that you know that you don't know everything. You can only do with what you can do with what you have. Like that's all that you can do. Like I just said before, you, you, know, you can only make the decision 
what you have, the resource that you have, that's, that's all. And so it is kind of refreshing to know that like, you're always going to be able to learn more. And that's the way that I look at things. Like, instead of going like, I don't know everything, that side of things, you can go, well, there's always potential to learn more. And so it's just a different way of thinking of things. There's always something new, constantly something new, something that's going to challenge my brain. Instead of it being like sucked in, you don't know everything. Like, it's like, cool. I'm never going to know yeah. everything. <laughs> yeah. It's, that's something that's hard to be comfortable with, but it's helpful. Like that's, Ben mentioned that on this round table that I keep mentioning that you haven't listened to. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's funny. I just, I'm going to cover everything on it today. It's <laughs> but uh, you're going to be like, oh, I remember when he talked about that and this. Yeah. It's like, oh, where's the new stuff? Um, they were like, it's, that's where being comfortable at the bottom of a squat. Like if you aren't comfortable at the bottom of the squat, like that's almost a good thing because like, it's very clear that you have a room to get better if you're shitty at the bottom of a squat. Like if you're really good at 90, 90, 90, and then you can't squat past parallel, you're like, well, here's something cool. You can get better, like just by getting that, like, or like got an ankle problem. It's like, for me, it's like when I was younger, it's like I had this ankle problem that was super limiting but I was still the most athletic kid on the team. It's like, how, how much beyond that do I have then? I don't know until I fix it. Like I've, I've seen the improvement. It's not a hundred percent yet, but like I've seen what it can do. So it's, it, it's almost, and Ben has said it in the other direction. He's like, I kind of wish I was still in pain somewhere because then I knew I had another level to go to. So it's, it's easier when you could see that there's a clear gap of your ability or your knowledge or your strength or whatever. So it's, it's, it's a, it's a fun, but also a little bit disheartening sometimes thing. Yeah. And I can understand that too, like, because especially when you've, when you're in that phase, like learning is for me, learning is, it excites me because it's like, it, it excites me and it frustrates me at the same time because like you said, you think you have everything figured out and then all of a sudden it's like, no, you don't. <laughs> Sorry, but this is something else and you're going to have to do this or that or like, you know, it's just something to help you learn a, a different way of doing things because just like when you have like a client come in, like I said before, you give them backward sled and they go, oh, no, I don't, I don't like this at all. It just doesn't make me feel comfortable. And if that's all that you know, and you just know that that's the only way that you can help them, well, you have gaps and you got to fill those gaps. You got to be able to find new ways to help that, that person be able to overcome the pain that they're experiencing, overcome the lack of performance that they're experiencing. What can you do to help them? How can you help them? You can go and learn, find out what you don't know. The only way you're going to do that is by actually going to finding out like new different ways of, of doing things, learning, coaching, uh, studying, Practicing yourself. That's all you can do. Exactly. We've been going for almost an hour and a quarter here. We should probably wrap it up. Yeah, where can uh, where can everybody find you? Uh, Coach Carly still uh, being a little bit more active on uh, on Instagram. So Coach Carly with the three eyes and uh, still doing a lot of the dense stuff as well. 
Uh, so if you have any questions about that or anything about Uncommon Success as well, like make sure you, you reach out. I'd be more than happy to have a chat with you, sit down and, and we'll have a call. So Maddie, what about yourself? Yeah, Score Performance, S-K-A-A-R, just about everywhere. Um, soccer program coming out soon. Soccer yeah. football, whatever you want to call it, coming out soon. We'll, uh, we'll get you an early look and we'll... Uh, For sure. Coming out. Pre-order list will probably come out within the next couple of days for people who oh, want to get on it early. So, epic! Yeah, that'll be yeah, me. Yeah, got the that'll form. be me. <laughs> the, uh, the form form videos got back to me today, so we're we're moving on it. Awesome. Awesome. All right. Awesome. Appreciate everybody who uh, made it this far for listening, and uh, we'll catch everybody next week. See you guys.